I'm John Moe. This week on Wits, comedian and podcast icon Mark Marin has interviewed a lot of celebrities, but they're not all as memorable as Iggy Pop. Iggy's just out on my deck and he's like doing these weird stretching exercises. And he's like, yeah, this is nice. And then I swear to you, within three and a half minutes, boom, the there shirt comes off. Yep. We're also joined by singer-songwriter Jason Isbell, and I ask him some tough questions. Jason Isbell, is it possible to write a happy song in a minor key? It's impossible for me to write a happy song in any key, John. <laughs> and we get not entirely unhappy music from Jason and his wife, Amanda Shires. And I've grown tired of traveling alone. Tired of traveling alone. I've grown tired of traveling alone. It's all on Wits, and it's coming right up. From APM, American Public Media, and Minnesota Public Radio, this is Wits. I'm John Moe. Coming to you from the Fitzgerald Theater in downtown St. Paul. I try not to be passive-aggressive. If I feel hostile about something, I do my best to come right out with it, purge the anger, move on. But I am 100% Norwegian, so passive-aggressive is something of a native language for me. I go there occasionally. And I've always thought of it as a negative. Recent events, however, have taught me that passive-aggressiveness could be a force for good and may have helped win World War II. <laughs> See, my 13-year-old son has been working on a big history project for school lately about the Norwegian resistance during World War II. So the whole family's been learning about it and talking about it. This was when the Nazis invaded, occupied Norway for five years. There were a lot of military attacks, tactical strikes, fighting back, people dying in the effort, but there was a strong passive-aggressive component to Norway's arsenal as well. Well, what did the Norwegians do, you're asking? Just make the Germans really uncomfortable and self-conscious? <laughs> Turns out, yes. <laughs> there was one secret initiative called the Ice Front. Norwegians were encouraged to not speak to German troops at all, unless it was absolutely necessary for survival. Don't visit, don't chat, pretend not to understand what Germans were saying, pretend that they weren't even there. The mission was simply to weird the Germans out. <laughs> the Norwegian underground weaponized passive aggressiveness. And the ice front wasn't all. Norwegians wore paper clips on their lapels, just regular paper clips, symbolized sticking together. Subtle, nearly imperceptible, loaded with rage, classically Norwegian. <laughs> Once the Nazis caught on, they were forced to outlaw the wearing of paper clips, which had to make them feel stupid for passing such a rule. <laughs> there were all kinds of little measures like this. You can't outgun Hitler's army, but you can freak them out and make them profoundly self-conscious for freedom. <laughs> now, there were tactical and strategic reasons for Germany to keep a lot of troops in Norway, but it seems a lot of them were kept there because of a sense that the Norwegians were up to something. Germans figured no one would act that spooky and opaque without having some deeper meaning, even though they couldn't figure out what it was. These men could be off overrunning Moscow and winning the war, but they were stuck in their own heads in Norway. So next time you're accused of being passive-aggressive, remind your accuser that it just might save the world. 
we got a great show. Our house band, John Munson and the Witnesses are with us. The husband and wife musical team, Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires are here. And comedian and podcast icon, Mark Marin. Glenn, welcome to the neighborhood. And don't tell me Barbara, right? That's right. Your home is lovely. Oh, thank you. Bill and I have tried to make it nice. Uh, well, we've, we've lived here a month now. We haven't met anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the suburbs. A lot of people just keep to themselves. You know, sometimes it's best that way. Is that a kitty I hear in the kitchen? What? No. Uh, we, 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 we do have a cat, but yeah, we, we don't like cats. Hey, nobody really does. That's not true. I love them. Can I meet your cat? No, Barbara, no. Hey, I have an idea. Let's talk about something else, not cats. Uh, sure, how about politics? Uh, if we're gonna talk politics, I'm gonna need another glass of wine. I'll get it for you. Don't go into the kitchen. Diana, please. Let me. One glass of wine, coming up. Oh, and who is this little guy? Did you secure the deadbolt? Yes. Bear traps all set? Yes, I'm not stupid. I can hear you whispering. Is my husband in danger? <laughs> not if he's a fighter. Uh, uh, Barbara, I have some bad news. Our cat, murder cat, um, murdered your husband. Oh, God! Hold on, your cat's name is Murder Cat? Three years ago, Bill and I went to a no-kill shelter to get a pet to amuse ourselves. In the corner, in a thick steel cage, was an adorable kitten. There was a handwritten sign on the cage. It said, Murder Cat, in blood. Yeah, we thought Murder Cat was, was a name, but it was a warning. All cats want to murder people That's a fact, says science But only one cat up and does it That's murder cat Hey, look, we feel awful about Glenn, but can we give you a little advice? He's gone. Damn it, he's gone, Barbara. Don't live in the past. There are a lot of Glens out there. Everybody, keep calm. Murder Cat is walking in here. Uh, he, he just finished a kill, so we're actually quite safe. Oh, God. He's wearing Glenn's clothes. And is he... He's walking around like Glenn? <laughs> Yes, he does that, but you have to admit, it's pretty cute. That's Murder Cat. Mark Marin as Bill, Janie Winterbauer as Diana, Amanda Shires as Barbara, Jason Isbell as Glenn, me as Murder Cat. Veteran stand-up comedian, actor in the movie Almost Famous, host of the wildly popular podcast WTF, creator and star of the series Marin on IFC. <laughs> Bowing to our audience as we speak. Mark Marin, welcome to Wits. Thank you, John. Thank you, John Moe. Uh, WTF has become such a phenomenon, such a hit uh, podcast over the past few years. How did it get started? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you, it was out of complete desperation. Um, 
I had uh, crapped out career-wise and uh, emotionally and every other way in my life, John. And that's how, an interesting... how long ago was this? It was just a few years okay. ago. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I, I, had, uh, I had hit the wall in a lot of ways, and I was in the middle of a, a, a horrible divorce. And I had gone back to, uh, to Air America as in, its, in its final death throes. At that point, I was so emotionally broken that I didn't care about politics at all. I just needed money to stop the hemorrhaging that the ex was causing. And after uh, Air America crapped out entirely, they fired us, but they didn't kick us out of the building. They let us stay in our office. And we were there for two months, and we said, well, you know, let's, uh, a lot of people are doing podcasts. Let's try it. So the first 11 or 12 WTS were actually done uh, after hours at Air America because we knew the night tech, and we were bringing guests up on, uh, on the freight elevator. It was kind of hilarious. And that's how it sort of started. And then once I figured out how to set up microphones in Los Angeles, it sort of evolved into the show that it is now. Well, part of the recurring theme uh, of a lot of the episodes is, is you trying to be a better person than you used to be. How bad were you? Well, I was pretty bad, John. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I'd left a lot of wreckage behind me. And, and, but the weird thing about being entirely self-centered uh, is... Is that I thought I'd made, you know, I thought I'd made horrible mistakes and, and, and really alienated some people. And if you listen to some of the old WTFs, I would be carrying this burden of like, oh, this guy's got to hate me. And I would bring up the thing I was apologizing for. And, and more so than not, they'd be like, yeah, I don't remember that at all. So a lot of my relationships and the impact I had on other people was very one-sided. But... Um, I, I think that I, I am better. I'm a little more mindful. That's sort of a, a popular word to use. So, uh, yeah, I try to I try to close the gap between uh, you know you know doing something horrible and apologizing. And I, I've got it pretty tight now. <laughs> Narrowed it down. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it happens in one thought. You know, like shut up. I'm sorry. What happens? You know, like. <laughs> Well, there wasn't even a breath in between. Yeah, those. yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm getting good at that. That's it's nice. not always effective, but yeah. Now, on on the podcast, like you've interviewed, you're coming up on like 500 episodes now. Yeah, something like 450 or something. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of talking. <laughs> have Has there been? Thank you, thank you. Who have you been the most, uh, I guess, anxious about? The most nervous about before before you did the interview? That's a, that's a, a weird question because I get, I get anxious for, for different reasons and I'm always a little anxious uh, about going into the garage because I choose uh, not to prepare a great deal uh, primarily because I don't see them as interviews. I just need someone to talk to for an hour. And, <laughs> but like, I don't want to you know, miss like, you know, I don't want to get out of an interview and go like, oh, he won an Oscar, damn. Um, and I, I, I should have brought that up. The garage is where you do the interviews. Yes, it is, John. It's where I do my interviews, in the garage. In the garage. Um, in your own garage. In my own garage, right out in the back of my house. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yes, I've gotten nervous about uh, a few people. I was, I was nervous about Stephen Wright because I didn't know if he was capable of talking like a person. Um, I got nervous about Norm MacDonald for the same reason. Uh, but they both turned out to be amazing interviews. I got nervous about um, Brian Cranston because I think I really wanted to interview Mr. White. And um, I had a real hard time. Like, he was sitting right there, and I'm like, come on, tell me, how do you make speed? You know, so <laughs> I was so nervous about Brian Cranston that I neglected to bring up the fact that I, I was brought up, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they, where they take where that show. Where Breaking Bad is set, yeah. Right, but I was so, like, freaked out that I didn't even bring up the one thing that we could have connected on, you know, like restaurants or whatever. Uh, I get nervous around uh, the elderly because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, 
you, you interviewed both Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner not long ago. Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, uh, Jonathan Winters, Dick, Dick Van Dyke. Dyke. Yeah. And, you know, all of them, uh, you know, Mel Brooks is, is on fire. Dick Van Dyke is very lucid. Carl, uh, Carl Reiner uh, is, like, I felt that after our interview, he needed to nap. Um, <laughs> but he definitely showed up. Uh, Jonathan Winters, uh, uh, may he rest in peace, was amazing. I got him on a good day, apparently. And, uh, but I just interviewed Harry Dean Stanton, which was no easy game, that was. <laughs> Um, and he's like 87, but for some reason, I didn't even acknowledge that. I was like, I was freaking out before the interview because I'm like, how am I going to get this guy to talk? Because he doesn't talk much. I didn't take into consideration that he was also 87 because Harry Dean is sort of this uh, kind of an eternal person. Like you, you just, you don't picture him as being any different. And the interview went okay. It, it was a lot of me uncomfortably laughing and going, uh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> but people seem to think I got a lot out of him. There, there are other people I was nervous about for different reasons. Uh, Iggy Pop I was nervous about because, again, I didn't know what was going to happen there. And I, I, really, I really love Iggy Pop. And uh, I've always wanted to talk to Iggy Pop. But it was a funny thing because, like, I'm waiting for Iggy Pop. And I'm starting to think, well, he's not going to show up. It's about 10 minutes late. Then a limo comes up. And this woman gets out, high heels on everything. This is Iggy's publicist. And I go, what's up? She goes, Iggy's in the car behind me. I'm like, where's Iggy at these days? Is he talkative? Does he, is he on the level? Is he with us? And uh, she's like, yeah, he's great. And I'm like, okay, great is good. And then the second limo comes up and like a road manager gets out and this six foot, seven foot tall woman that I think was uh, Iggy's wife or girlfriend gets out. And then Iggy, who's about this big, he's, he's about, <laughs> about five foot something. He gets out. Well, he's like, he's in the car still. And I'm like, how you doing, uh, Iggy? Do you need anything? He goes, ah, I need to refresh. And I'm like, don't know what that means. <laughs> Uh, you need coffee or anything? Yeah, coffee, that'd be great. All right, I'll get you some coffee. Was he wearing a shirt? Wait, so. <laughs> so he gets out of the car, fully clothed, and they all go into my backyard, which is on my deck, which is where people hang out, because, you know, I don't want everyone in the house. So, um. <laughs> So I'm getting their stuff, and Iggy's just out on my deck, and he's, like, doing these weird stretching exercises. And he's like, yeah, this is nice. And then, I swear to you, within three and a half minutes, boom, the there shirt comes off. Yep. <laughs> and I think anybody else, you would have been like, what's happening? But you're like, no, that's what Iggy wears. <laughs> and I sat down in my garage with Iggy Pop shirtless for the hour, and uh, it, it was completely natural. He did start tweaking his nipple in the middle for some reason. Which made me uncomfortable, but I didn't, I didn't say anything because I, I didn't know where that would take us. More with Mark Marin and Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires in a moment. This is Wits. I'm John Moe.
This is Wits. I'm John Moe, here with comedian Mark Marin. Our musical guests this week are a married couple who must have a, a wonderful house to hang out in in Nashville. So much great music. He's a singer-songwriter, former member of Drive-By Truckers. His latest album is Southeastern, and it topped many years' best list. She's a singer-songwriter, fiddler, whose latest excellent album is Down Fell the Doves. Here are Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires.
To say the things an outlaw wouldn't say But those were different days Those were different days Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Jason and Amanda, welcome to Wits. Thank you. Thank you. How did the two of you meet? You know, it was funny uh, that you guys were talking about Harry Dean Stanton earlier. Uh, because Did he set you up on a date? Very close. No, I was playing this music show with Billy Joe Shaver at Austin City Limits. And it was a big party and Harry Stanton was there. And I said, hey, can you hold this? And it was my enchiladas. I got to go play rap fast. And I came back, and all my enchiladas were gone. <laughs> but in the meantime, I, I, this was the first time I'd ever seen her. I went to see Shaver play, and I couldn't get back to speak to her after the show to tell her she did a good job. But I talked to Harry Dean, and, and he, you know, he was eating her enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw her again about a year later. She was playing with a band of hers called Thrift Store Cowboys. They were playing in Athens, Georgia. And I was just out wandering into a bar that my buddy owned. And there were like, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 people there. And uh, I just took a folding chair and folded it, sat right in front of the stage and just sat down. There's nobody else on the dance floor. And I just sat there with my cocktail and just watched <laughs> the show like this. And then after the show, we, we talked and we became good friends. We've, we've known each other, uh, you know, increasingly well since then, I guess. <laughs> um. Jason, you've been you've been open about uh, achieving sobriety and uh, about your drinking in in recent years. Where does uh, where does your relationship fit in with that timeline? Well, um, yeah, it works it works together for me really well because I didn't have any reason um, that I could think of to get sober before. You know, she she told me I had to. It's kind of. <laughs> uh, you know, I, the way I look at it, I, I, I got sober for her, but I had to stay sober for myself. You know, I was stuck in the same circle, and she sort of helped me break that, you know, by, by saying, hey, this, you know, your life doesn't have to suck. I mean, you don't, have to be in, <laughs> you don't have to be in physical and emotional pain all the time. But if you are going to be, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, knowing him as a friend, and then we had a, a we share a common interest in books and reading and authors and... I was like, I don't really know any musicians that read. I like this guy. That's cool. <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of authors and speaking of reading, you've been going to school for a while now, getting a master's degree in poetry. And mm -hmm. I, I know you've done a deep dive recently on, on James Joyce. Oh, God. What was... <laughs> you read all of James Joyce? I have read all of James Joyce. With for me, it was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we had, I, had a, I had a dead Irishman in my house driving me crazy. <laughs> is your songwriting different after reading all the James Joyce than it was before? The writing process is different. I feel like I'm a better editor, and I also I feel less afraid to make up something that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were just listening to Different Days, which is a, a song from your album Southeastern, and I always marvel at how you managed to fit in benzodiazepine into a rhyme scheme. <laughs> I listen to a lot of your music. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of your work. You get a lot of pharmaceuticals in there. 
Uh, they're really great to sing about, John. They're, they're, <laughs> they're great for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. I was never, I was never like a, a, a person that, uh, that took a whole lot of pharmaceuticals, you know, compared to most people in America. Um, but I just, I love the way the words sound and, uh, you know, they can be used as symbols for a lot of other things. And anytime you can do four syllables, I mean, you should go for it. Do you write music together? Not really. We, we edit together. We bring each other uh, songs and, and we say, well, that sounds stupid or I love that. But, but very rarely do we sit down and write together because I, for, one, for me, I just I feel like, you know, uh, if you're going to paint a picture of your mother, you should paint a picture of your mother rather than paint half of it and hand it to somebody else to finish. And, uh, and I don't know, what do, you, what do you think about it? <laughs> we have written together twice, and it didn't turn out that great, but we got years of practice. Um, <laughs> also, we talk about writing a lot, so I think that, that helps. It qualifies. That's yeah. just as good. We, yeah. feed, we feed off of each other creatively quite a bit. I felt the fight starting, and I'd like it to was. see that happen. I, um, <laughs> it was. Like, I don't think we should run from this. I mean, how do Are you really good? feel about him icing you like that about yeah. his mother? <laughs> I thought you loved my mother. Yeah, yeah, see, see what happens? You need a drink? Yeah. <laughs> Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires, everyone. You could level it all, you have it in you. 
Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires with John Munson and the Witnesses. Hello, fellow adventure seekers. My name is Trent. And I'm Hans. Who's ready for some tandem skydiving? Yeah. Woohoo! I am. All right, Amanda. You'll be strapped to me. David, you're strapped to Hans. Let's get with the jumping. I'm so excited to do this. Free falling. Tom Petty, rock on, girl. How about you, David? Ready for freedom? <laughs> you know, I said I'd do anything Amanda wanted this weekend, and she picked this. I'm freaking out. It is normal to be scared. Just know that Hans and I are both professionals. That's right, buddy. Dave, just clear your head and be present for the experience. You never know what could happen. Wait, wait. What do you mean, you never know what could happen? This is safe, right? Dave. Dave the Rave. What is safety but a construct of the human mind? But the chute is definitely going to open, right? All right, Dave, just relax. This is some baggage that is not allowed when you fly with me. See, any control we think we have over an object like a chute is only an illusion that we project. I'll tell you what's real, though, man. The weightless freedom of the free fall interrupted only by the deployment of the chute or the presence of the ground. Free-falling, so awesome! Trent, does Hans here have a death wish or something? He's always like that, but he's one of the best instructors in this plane right now. I'm a nihilist. A what? Hansi believes that life has no intrinsic value. What? Nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I have a philosophical conflict. Philosophical conflict! David, you made me a promise, and besides, I kind of get his point. You do? He's saying jump or don't jump, float or plummet. Our existence is pointless. Skydiving! See, that's that's where I diverge from my partner. I'm an existentialist. If your chute doesn't open, it's it's up to you, not the church or the government, to realize what that chaos means and become actualized in those seconds. <laughs> Hans and I met in grad school. We we dropped out of school. Yeah, and started dropping out of planes. High five, Trent! I'm a Randian. No one has a responsibility to anyone else. That's just society putting that burden on you. My parachute doesn't owe me nothing. Uh, Amanda, I, I'm wondering if OkCupid might have had a faulty algorithm in matching us up. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. Well, okay. Will my chute open? Kind of a Schrodinger chute at this point, really. Dave. In a few seconds, we will be hurling toward the ground at the mercy of a chute that can never truly be guaranteed to open. Once you accept this, you can live without fear. Jump out of a plane, rob a gas station, fist fight an alligator. So if I 
can acknowledge the possibility of a bad outcome, but still go through with it, I will be free? Now hurry up and jump, so Trent and I can get our free fall on. Okay, I'm gonna do it. Drop the doors. I welcome your embrace, sweet uncertainty! Was that shoot actually packed? It's hard to say. I'm always eager to just get Hans out of the plane. He freaks me out, that guy. You still want to jump? You know, I'm trying this new thing, logic, and it tells me just land the plane, get some lunch at the airport. Interesting. Let's explore that on the ground. Mm. Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires, Mark Marin as Hans, me as David. Here with more music, Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Won't you 
Barbara, I'm so glad to see you. We haven't heard from you in weeks. I was starting to think you were mad at us. Which is understandable. Your husband being murdered by a house cat can take a couple of weeks to get over. It does, and it did. But I have good news. Meet my new husband. Hi, I'm Glenn. Oh, like dead Glenn. We'll call you Glenn, too. Bill, I think it's so interesting that you're an amateur train conductor. Well, Glenn, too, I believe a man needs hobbies, and there's something about trains that fulfills me in a way that owning a murder cat could never do. I hate to ask, but murder cat isn't on the train, is it? Barbara, my new best friend, shut up. You're safe now. See, we called the feds, and they took murder cat to a supermax prison under the ocean. He can't reach us here. Huh? That bell only rings if there's trouble with the canyon bridge. No, it can't be! Murder Cat is locked away, and I don't hear his telltale meow. My God! Disciple Cats! I forgot about his mind ray! Hey, wow! The cats blew up the bridge we're heading right for! All cats want to murder people. That's a fact, says science. But only one cat up and does it. That's murder cat. To the caboose. We can cut ourselves loose from the rest of the train before it plunges. The sign says this caboose can only hold three people. I'll stay. I'll plunge into the canyon to die. But Glenn, too. Barbara, please. This is destiny. Goodbye, my love. Bye now. You know, I hate the murder, but I'm always impressed by the ingenuity involved. <laughs> That's Murder Cat. Mark Marin as Bill, Janie Winterbauer as Diana, Amanda Shires as Barbara, Jason Isbell as Glenn Two, the audience as Murder Cat accomplices. Coming up, an unrequited love for Superman and the Wits lightning round. This is Wits. I'm John Moe. This is Wits, I'm John Moe, here with musicians Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires and comedian Mark Marin. <laughs> Pop song correspondences. A letter from a crazed supervillain to Superman. Dear Man of Steel, I have you now imprisoned in my kryptonite fortress. I can really see you in 
instead of just imagining the life we could have had together, jogging on the beach in matching mesh and lace outfits like the one I have on now while the world burns. I wrote a song about it. Moving forward, using all my breath Making love to you was never second best I saw the world crashing all around your face Never really knowing it was always mesh and lace Do you like the song? Well, I don't care Look, I am pretty crazy, but not when it comes to affairs of the heart. I know you don't love me because you're too closed-minded to overcome the whole evil versus good thing, Superman. But if I, Dr. Destructo, can't have you, no one can. So, I have a plan, also covered in my song. I'll stop the world and melt with you. You've seen the difference and it's getting better all the time There's nothing you and I won't do I'll stop the world and melt with you Do you like the lyrics? Because originally it was, I'll melt the world and stop with you Like a hellscape where all of Earth is a charred ruin And I spare you when we are left alone with each other I may go back to that lyric, I'm not sure what, What's this? I'm hearing voices Is it my conscience or Superman? I should know better You should know better Dream of a better life The kind which never hates You should see why Trapped in a state of Superman, you minx. You're not comprehending that the race has long gone by. Let me phrase it for you in modern English. I'll stop the world. Let's stop the world. I'll stop the world and melt with you. Let's stop the world. You've seen the difference and it's getting better all Let's the time. future is open wide, Superman. If you would go on one date with me, just lunch, bowling, I will call off these plans. Now, here's some thinking music, along with someone saying, hmm, which is the universal thinking sound. Again, well, text me, Dr. Jimothy Destructo.
John Munson and the witnesses as Modern English. Thanks for having us over, Barbara. I've never been in a fortress before. Uh, your home is lovely. So lovely. Is that carpet? Yes. So how have the last five days been since Glenn Two's death? Uh, not still crying, are you? Hi, I'm Glenn uh, uh, Three. I mean, Glenn Three. Barbara said the three would help you guys. Listen, I asked you two over to tell you something. I think it's best if we don't see each other anymore. What the hell? You're our best friend. Your cat murdered my husband. Uh, our cat, okay, our cat, not us. Don't play the blame game, Barbara. You're better than this. I'll get it. Pizza? I, I didn't order a pizza. <laughs> With anchovies? <laughs> and what? <laughs> Who puts tuna on a pizza? <laughs> well, come on in, I'll get my wallet. Murder cat! <laughs> well, you are right that we wouldn't have let you in if we knew it was you. <laughs> I have a hard time believing you're sorry, murder cat. <laughs> After all you've done, they let you out of prison just for being cute? Well, I suppose I have to believe someone can change. I forgive you, Murder Cat. Especially because I think I've really found the right Glenn this time. Well, sure, Murder Cat. I'll follow you to the kitchen to help you serve the pizza. I think I should get a dog. <laughs> yeah, it would be funny if you named your dog Glenn. <laughs> All cats want to murder people. That's a fact, says science. But only one cat up and does it. That's murder cat. Mark Marin is Bill. Janie Winterbauer is Diana. Amanda Shires as Barbara. Jason Isbell as Glenn Three me as murder cat. Support for Wits comes from sunsets. To sunsets, you're beautiful. <laughs> and from hats. The tippy tops of heads are disgusting. They're God's mistakes. Hats fix that. Hats. <laughs> and now the Wits lightning round. Quick questions, quick answers. Mark Marin, who is the first comedian to blow your mind? Uh, Jackie Vernon. Jason Isbell, is it possible to write a happy song in a minor key? It's impossible for me to write a happy song in any key, John. <laughs> Amanda Shires, what's the difference between a fiddle and a violin? A fiddle is a fiddle if you're buying it and it's a violin when you're selling it. <laughs> Jason, what topic has been insufficiently explored in country music? Trucks. <laughs> Mark, what should people eat? <laughs> I, I don't know, pie, John? Amanda, who would win in a fight between James Joyce and T.S. Eliot? I would. Mark, as a professional interviewer, who would win in a fight between Terry Gross and Charlie Rose? Before people fell asleep? Um... <laughs> I would have to say Terry would win that fight. Jason, member of the band you would most like to be compared to? 
Um, Levon. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, member of the Stones you would most like to be compared to. Come on, Keith. <laughs> Mark, disqualifying current and former hosts who should host The Tonight Show. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the gig. I mean, I... Uh... <laughs> Good. Jason... I'd have to change the format a bit. But... Jason, what's the last book you read? Um, George Saunders, 10th of December. Nice. And then finally, turbo lightning round, yes or no answers only. Do you believe in the following? God, Mark. Nah. Amanda. Occasionally. Jason. Sure, why not? <laughs> Love at first sight, Mark. Sometimes. Amanda. Of course. Yes, Jason. yes, yes, me too. Well done, Jason. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, Mark. No. Amanda. No. Jason? Uh, while doing what? <laughs> and that's the Wits Lightning Round. If you have a question for the Wits Lightning Round, go to witsradio.org slash lightning. Folks, here with more music, Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Oh, 
the fog He said, I will fix your wreck If you take Jack, my dog I said, now, now, wait a minute, Chester Oh, don't you know I'm a peaceful man He said, that's okay Just feed him when you can Take a look Jason Isbell, Amanda Shires, Mark Marin, John Munson, and the witnesses. Want more wits in your life? Go to witsradio.org and find out how you can see a wits show in person. You can sign up for our newsletter, get the latest about what our various wits guests are up to, or tell us what you're up to on Twitter. Just tag us, we're at wits. Our guests this week were Mark Marin, Jason Isbell, and Amanda Shires. Our broadcast engineer is Corey Schreppel. Our coordinating producer is Hans Buto, and our intern is Sam Siegel. The staff of the Fitzgerald Theater includes Tom Campbell, Mike Wongan, Aaron Cassio, C. Andrew Mayer, and Dan Zimmerman. Wits is written by me and Ben Acker, Wendy Molyneux and Jeff Drake, Lauren McGuire, John Osbold, and Mike Fotis. We're joined by music director John Munson and the witnesses, Steve Rome, Joe Savage, Richard Medic, and Janie Winterbauer. Our executive producer is Peter Clowney. Wits was created by Tony Bowles, senior producer Larissa Anderson, and me. I'm John Moe. Bye now. <laughs>